Can we stop the sex extinction? I'm Amy Goodman, host of Democracy Now! with Dennis Moynihan and our weekly Breaking the Sound Barrier podcast. The words of United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres couldn't have been starker. We are waging war on nature. And this conference is about the urgent task of making peace, because today we are out of harmony with nature. In fact, we are playing an entirely different song. Around the world, for hundreds of years, we have conducted a cacophony of chaos played with instruments of destruction. Deforestation and desertification are creating wastelands of once thriving ecosystems. Our land, water and air are poisoned by chemicals and pesticides and choked with plastics. Our addiction to fossil fuels has thrown our climate into chaos, from heat waves and forest fires to communities parched, parched by heat and drought or inundated and destroyed by terrifying floods. Unsustainable production and consumption are sending emissions skyrocketing and degrading our land, sea and air. Today, one third of all land is degraded, making it harder to feed growing populations. Plants, mammals, birds, reptiles, amphibians, fish and invertebrates are all at risk. A million species teeter on the brink. Ocean degradation is accelerating the destruction of life-sustaining coral reefs and other marine ecosystems and directly affecting those communities that depend on the oceans for their livelihoods. Multinational corporations are filling their bank accounts while emptying our world of its natural gifts. Ecosystems have become placings of profit. With our bottomless appetite for unchecked and unequal economic growth, humanity has become a weapon of mass extinction. Guterres was opening the Global Summit of the Convention on Biological Diversity, or COP15, in UN parlance, which just wrapped up in Montreal. The convention was launched at the Rio Earth Summit in 1992, alongside the UN's better-known climate change negotiations. The Biodiversity Convention is the best hope we have to stop what's been called the sixth extinction, as human activities extinguish tens of thousands of species every year, never to return. The previous five extinctions occurred from tens of millions to hundreds of millions of years ago. The most recent one happened 66 million years ago, when scientists believe a six-mile-wide asteroid smashed into water off of Mexico's Yucatan Peninsula. The impact caused massive tsunamis, acid rain and wildfires, then blanketed the atmosphere with sun-blocking dust, lowering temperatures worldwide and wiping out the dinosaurs. We humans are now essentially doing to the planet what that asteroid did. As New Yorker writer Elizabeth Colbert eloquently describes in her Pulitzer Prize-winning book, The Sixth Extinction, humans have evolved into a predator without equal. We overtake and destroy habitats with abandon, driving other species into permanent oblivion. Key agreements forged last week in Montreal were signed by 196 nations. 
The U.S., along with the Vatican, did not sign, as neither is party to the Convention on Biological Diversity. A central achievement of the Montreal negotiations was the 30 by 30 pledge to protect 30 percent of Earth's lands, oceans, coastal areas and inland waters by 2030. Also agreed to was the creation of a fund to help developing nations protect biodiversity, slated to reach $200 billion annually by 2030, while phasing down harmful subsidies by $500 billion per year. A requirement for the full and active involvement of indigenous peoples was also written into the text. It's absolutely impossible to create a biodiversity agreement without the inclusion of indigenous rights, because 80 percent of remaining biodiversity is indigenous lands and territories. That's Ariel Chequi Duranger, executive director of Indigenous Climate Action and member of the Athabasca Chippewan First Nation, speaking on the Democracy Now! News Hour from Edmonton, Canada. Some of the biggest challenges and risks that have come out of this COP is the fact that there aren't any real mechanisms with real teeth similar to COP27 that actually protect our rights, our culture, and our ability to advance our rights to say yes and no uh, to these types of agreements. Ariel Duranger first appeared on Democracy Now! while in Copenhagen in 2009, attending a different COP15, the 15th meeting of the UN Climate Change Convention. She was delivering a basket to the Canadian embassy in advance of then-Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper's arrival for those pivotal climate negotiations. Inside the basket were copies of the treaties that are being violated by the Alberta tar sands, or by the Canada's tar sands, rather, and um, copies of the Kyoto Protocol, which he signed on to, as well as a copy of the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People, to remind him that there is something else that he needs to sign on to in order to really fully respect Indigenous people's rights. It was at that 2009 climate summit that wealthy nations pledged to create a $100 billion per year fund by 2020 to help poorer nations adapt to and mitigate climate change. To date, the fund has fallen far short of the pledge, and much of the money available is offered as loans, not grants. So activists like Ariel Duranger have reason to be skeptical of the $200 billion per year biodiversity pledge just made in Montreal. They're centering colonial economic ideals in the center. They're still giving national and colonial states the power to determine what indigenous rights look like when they're implemented in these agreements and how lands will be developed, undeveloped, protected, so on and so forth. There's a lot of really flowery language, but there still lacks any real substantive ways for indigenous peoples to be leaders in this movement like they claim that they are hoping to advance. And Ariel, could you talk about the significance of COP15 being co-hosted by China and Canada, two of the biggest uh, polluters in the world and uh, nations that still promote extractive industry and fossil fuels? I mean, both of these countries have a really big interest in being leaders, or at least the optics of being leaders in advancing biodiversity uh, safeguarding um, because of that, because of the fact that they are massive leaders in creating emissions on the planet. My community, Athabasca Chippewan First Nation, is downstream from one of the largest industrial projects on planet Earth, the Alberta Tar Sands, and we're also within a UNESCO World Heritage Site that is being degraded ongoing, ongoing every single year, to the point that my community attended this COP 
to, to sort of highlight how this park continues to be degraded by industrial development. So countries like Canada and China have a vested interest in appearing as though they are leading the way. In fact, there are reports that Canada is leading the way, that China is advancing technologies to help us meet these commitments. Yet the reality is, is they're creating these optics and diversion tactics so that they can continue business as usual. In Canada, where I come from, I can speak to this directly, where we are committing to 30 by 30, millions and millions of dollars for biodiversity protection, indigenous protection and conservation areas, yet we are not talking about ending the expansion of the Alberta tar sands. Mass extinction will have far-reaching, potentially cataclysmic consequences for humankind. Antonio Guterres was right. We are waging a war on nature. Respecting and following the leadership of indigenous communities is the first step towards making peace with Mother Nature while we still can. I'm Amy Goodman with Dennis Moynihan.